As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome back to your Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, Sean McIndoo with you. Uh, coming up on the show, uh, we'll kind of preview the final, kind of look at some of the big storylines and playoff races heading into the final weekend, Easter weekend uh, in the NHL. We'll, we've got tons of uh, email questions to get to. We want to talk about our rules court uh, piece that we had a lot of fun with Gentilly. Jesse Granger is going to drop by. So, look, we got a lot to, to tackle on the Thursday pod. Uh, something I want to bring up with you, though, that Julian and I discussed on the Monday podcast. So, probably unbeknownst to you, Sean, I have volunteered you Uh-oh. for some travel. Uh-oh. Yeah. No, no. I think this will be good. Where am Hear I me out. All right. Uh, as you probably saw last week, Jeff Merrick, Elliot Friedman on uh, uh, Hockey Night in Canada announcing that the NHL appears to be on the verge of uh, a game in Australia. Right? Uh-huh. And yeah. I, I said, I got the guy for the job. Like, like I and, and Julian was blown away, and maybe some of our, of our listeners will be blown away by the fact that you, Sean, were born in Australia. That's right. Yep. This is a I definitely have to be one of the top 10 Aussie-born hockey media currently working, right? Like top 15? I, I felt comfortable with top 10. Okay. Um, we can go top 15. Uh, like this has to be a slam dunk, right? Like, like they can't send anybody else. Like, who else do we have that even has a vague connection? Yeah, to Australia? and it's very vague. Just for the record, I was there until I was three months old. I have never been back. So, but uh, but this would yeah. be 
Like a, if you're looking for somebody to do like the guided tours and and show you all the good places to uh, to grab a bite to eat, I'm not your guy. <laughs> I still get asked. Sometimes people will ask me, like I will tell them that story. Was born in Australia, left as a baby, never been back, and I will still get asked why I don't have an accent. Like that's not how you don't like get born and they just stamp your vocal cords and say like that's how you're going to talk from now on. I don't. Uh, I don't even do a good. Australian accent. It's pretty sad. So, but anyway, so, but you're on board with this. If the athletic says, Sean, we're sending you back. Like, it's kind of like a return to your roots type of stuff. Like, see, I said, I think you could, you're the perfect guy for this because it's going to be fun and quirky to have Mm. hockey in Australia. Why not have you go down? You can kind of tap into some of that humor, tap into your own kind of backstory. You know, I, and, and I pitched the the title. Julian didn't like this. Okay. I said, but it's uh, let's workshop it. But it's something like something like down goes brown goes down under. Down, you know, something yeah. with down under down, down goes brown. Under, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's workable, right? I mean, there's there's something there. Am I getting a return flight, or is this to be determined? <laughs> Just a one way. Yeah, one way ticket to we Australia. See, we see how it goes from there. Okay, yeah, I like I. I can be the the the. I've often considered myself the Yahoo serious of uh, hockey media, so this can I can really build that brand. Well, and and I was telling Julian too on Monday. I said there, there was this weird little window, like in the late '80s in particular, where we were just fascinated with Aussie culture, right? Like the uh, the Crocodile Dundee, yeah, era. like that yeah. little window. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And then we had, uh, that that was kind of where we peaked. We, you know, the Australian people. Um, <laughs> we had, was the uh, was the crocodile hunter, was that guy Australian? Steve Irwin? Yeah. Uh, Crikey. Yeah, I want to say he was. Okay. So I feel like that may have been the other. And other than that, it's, we haven't had a lot going for us, but. No. So anyway, there you go. I'm, I'm putting your name out there. You got to be the guy right. that covers covers this series. Kings and Coyotes or whoever it is. Oh, boy. Can't wait. Can't wait to cover a Coyotes game. Oh, my God. And and we're not even going to get into that whole Coyotes, whatever the heck is going on in the court system. Yeah. No. I mean. But, you know, I know that the downside of this trip would be it's like an 18-hour trip to get there. But, I mean, anyone who's who's tried to go to a Senators game in the wintertime, am I right? Am I right? Come on. Look at that. Come on. Come Same. On. You Same. guys Give know. Give me your time. Come on. You know hey, what I'm Actually, okay. You know what? I, I, I got to bring this up with you right now. Because uh, this is something I had heard maybe three months ago. Okay. And it, I, I hadn't heard it from enough people that it was credible for me to put into the public realm. And then, you know, to, to the credit of my colleague here in Ottawa, Brent Wallace, uh, who has his own podcast, longtime TSN reporter, he did put this out last week. Um, there are some rumblings that Matt Sundin is consulting for one of the groups, uh, that would be the Jeffrey Kimmel group, uh, that is potentially eyeing the Ottawa Senators. And the feeling is that maybe if they are the winning bid, Matt Sundin could potentially wind up in the front office of the Ottawa Senators. Now, I want to just get your feeling on that. Like, how... How are you going to feel if that somehow plays out? I mean, it would be a little weird. Uh, is I assume is this like linked to Daniel Alfredson or 
Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, I think that there would be uh, obviously a connection there, yeah. right? Like, I They're think those buddies. two guys would love to mm. collaborate. Um, I, I mean, I don't think it would, but put it this way, I, I feel like my gut tells me it wouldn't bother me as much as it would bother Sens fans if it went the other way. Like Daniel Alfredson going to, you know, getting a job with with the the Leafs, but I, I mean, I can't. I I, I know that the uh, you know the the hot take would be to say you know you, you can't go to a, a rival, you're a traitor, all this stuff. I I don't know. I mean, a I don't know if I feel that way, and b even if I did, I mean, the Maple Leafs hired Ken Dryden to run the team, not just to be you know a, a guy in the front office, but to run the whole team. They got Brandon Shanahan running the whole team right now. He's uh, you know that they had a rivalry with the Red Wings for for years. Um, you know, I were Red Wing fans mad when Steve Eiserman went to the Lightning. I know that's not a historical rivalry, but they you know they certainly had their their share of uh, situations over the years. I don't. I mean, if if he wants to do it, and this is the opportunity, and he gets to work with his buddy, uh, yeah, I, you, you're you're good, Bats. You got my you have my blessing. You got and I'm sure blessing. the rest so, of the Leaf fan base will be super reasonable about, about it, too. Like, some of the comparables I could think of in my mind, like, obviously, Ron Hextall going to work for the Penguins, right, mm-hmm. would be, like, a great example of a guy who, for the most part, Hextall is known as a flyer. He's now the yeah. general manager of the Penguins. I mean, the uh, difference although, I don't here know is he, he was with the Flyers already. Like, right. he had his Flyers stint, so... You know, it, he's 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 allowed to move on. You would think. Yeah, Flyers fans, of course, would argue that this was the you know his, his job was to go in and implode the Penguins. Yes, you that's know, right. That, and and kind of walk well, away. Mm-hmm. Uh, like and, and like as I think back in history, like Brian Trottier, and it was very brief, but like he briefly coached the Rangers, right? And that didn't sit well. Yeah, uh, with Islanders fans, right? Yeah, that was that was a big one. Like, is that the biggest one where where somebody was like, I can't believe. You went to work for those guys. I think it was Strachier, right? Like, like if I had to pick the one that yeah, angered people I'm, the most, I'm, I'm like looking down the list now of uh, you know well-known coaches and GMs. Uh, that you know that might be the one. And, and Dryden going to the Leafs would be another one. In fact, and he was trying to hire uh, Bob Gainey, I believe, at one point to to come in. So it was sort of a a Montreal takeover of the Leafs. Although I, I don't I don't remember. Habs fans being that upset about that, um, but uh, but maybe they were. Yeah, I'm looking at the list now. Team GM, hmm, that might be the one. Is 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 Trache? I'm I'm not off the top of my head seeing anyone else here where you would think, oh yeah, they they definitely they would have wanted them um, in that like, original team. It, Most of it, these it, guys do start with, you know, with their new Bobby Clark, Joe Sackick, Ron Francis. Guys like that. I mean, Brett Hall went to Dallas, but I don't think anyone in St. Louis, let's say, was was begging for for Brett Hall to uh, come be the GM of that team. Nobody ever in the Battle of Alberta kind of went the other way and worked in the front office or a coach, did they? Like, or am I? That would be the other one I was thinking. No, of. there have been some. There have been players who have done it. Uh, um, yeah, players that obviously. Have been weird to, to see, but I don't don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, certainly nobody who who went and became a GM or something like that. I, I'm I'm sure NHL teams. I mean, you you look at their front offices and there's like 20 guys and 19 of them are always former players. Uh, but I yeah, I don't I don't think so. 
Yeah, no, no. I, and, and the other thing too, with with the with with the Ottawa Toronto thing, and you know, if Sundin ever did come and consult or work a little bit with Ottawa, uh, I mean, Jason Spezza works for the Leafs, right? Like he's you know there what? next Good to point. Kyle Dubas. Yep. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Here's my question to you, from an Ottawa. What what makes what would make people matter? Matt Sundin getting a job with the Senators, making the Leaf fans mad, or Sens fans being mad if Darcy Tucker was hired to work for the Senators? In the front office. Oh, Tucker would be the one he, because Tucker's a more polarizing player, right? Yeah. Like Sundin is a, like, but he'd be I, I working like, if you for ask you, Ottawa right? Fans, He's not abandoning. You know, Sundin would be abandoning the Leafs if you wanted to look at it that way and go into the enemy. You know, don't you embrace Darcy? You know, Darcy Tucker comes up, maybe he brings Ty Domi. You know, toughen up the front office. Oh, we can work on Travis Green as skills. Head, Travis Green is head coach. Travis Green could come in as the coach. There's lots of ways you could do this. I mean, I I feel like this is. We could make this happen, right? Oh, man. Taidomi gets and, there day one. You're looking up at the rafters. What happened to the Chris Neal banner? Don't worry about <laughs> it. Don't ask any questions. It's, can you imagine? Anyway, so that that was out there. I just wanted to pick your brain and see if you'd be really upset. Yeah, I feel like I should be madder about that than, but when I when I first, you know, when I first heard that, I was like, you know what? Yeah, good good for him. I've never heard anything <laughs> about Matt Sunny wanting to go work his way into a front office. Um, but, uh, but maybe he does, or maybe he just wants to work with his buddy. I mean, that sounds sounds like it'd be a pretty uh, pretty fun post retirement uh, gig to have. Okay, so tell so when you go back and you think about you know Sundin, obviously when he left Toronto and then he signed in Vancouver, is yeah. that the thing? Like that's the thing that would make you more mad oh, than yeah. him going that, the way that whole thing went down. That I and and I was you know I was more ticked off at Matt Sundin than I think a lot of Leaf fans were at the time. Um, and, and in hindsight, it's all been kind of like memory hold and, you know, they did, they repaired the bridges, but you got to remember how that played out, right? Toronto Maple Leafs are a terrible team. Matt Sundin's in the last year of his contract. They basically, it's, it's basically what the Blackhawks went through with Patrick Kane this year, except Matt Sundin says, no, I'm not waving, not going to waive my no trade clause. I don't want to go to a contender, even though I've never won a Stanley Cup. I'm not interested in, in going somewhere and chasing one. Um, and because he does it. All the other guys, there were there were a bunch of other guys on the team with no trades. They all have to fall in line and say, okay, we're not going to wave either. Mats isn't going. And the explanation he gives at the time is he says, I'm not going to go because I don't believe in rentals. You have to be. It's I don't want to win a championship unless I'm there from October till June. That was his quote, October till June. Uh, and then the offseason comes along and he does not re-sign with the Maple Leafs. Maybe because the, the Leafs don't really even want him at that point. Don't make him an offer. But then he does this whole sitting out and he goes to Vancouver halfway through the season. He signs with them in like January. And you're all sitting there going, what happened till October till June? What happened to that whole big dramatic ethical stance that you were taking? You don't believe in rentals, but you airdrop into a team in January. And, you know, because of that, you know, we don't get to trade you to the, you know, for kick off the rebuild and all that. So there were some, I do think there were some um, bad feelings and, and I certainly, I had, you know, you go back to some of my writing around that time. I had an issue with it, but him going to be a, uh, you know, whatever the role would be, associate GM. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, hey, if you're going to build a Stanley Cup winning culture, the two guys you want to build it around are Daniel Alfredson and Matt Sundin. That's that's who you need. And then See, if you could I, get like if you could get like a Hollywood actor in the mix, then I think by, you've got all the bases covered. See, I knew, I knew there would be some sideswipe. You were going to take a while to get there, but you got there. Okay. Yep. Uh, so the action on the ice and Wednesday night. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, 
the Calgary Flames, they lose to Chicago on Monday and you're on, on Tuesday and you're like, well, that's that. And then they turn around and they do exactly what you thought they would do, which is they would beat Winnipeg because it's pure chaos. Now, I want to ask you something here because I, I think I'm generally in favor of a play-in format. I'm not, not unlike what you see in the NBA, where I'm like, you know what? Get some more teams in there. Make it more interesting. But let's look at the Western Conference. It's a three-team race, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Nashville. Let's look at the Eastern Conference. It's essentially a three-team race, Islanders, Panthers, Penguins. If we had a play-in, do you feel like maybe it would lessen the importance of these games? So you'd be like, ah, it's you know what, ah, it's okay. They're 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 going to make it. It doesn't really matter until they get to the play-in. Like I, like, is it okay that this is kind of organically coming to be? And 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 should we open our minds to the fact that yeah, you know what, maybe you don't need the play-in. Maybe Gary was right. Uh, well, let's hold on. Let's slow down on maybe Gary was right. He, here's here's the thing. First of all, let's talk about what we're when we talk about a play-in. Here's what we're talking about, okay? Or at least here, here's here's what I'm uh, what I'm proposing is that we basically steal the NBA system. Teams one through six in the conference, they make it. No questions asked. You're good. You're in the playoffs. Teams seven through ten go into the play, and and the way it works is seven plays eight, and nine plays ten. Winner of seven and eight, you're in the playoffs. Winner of nine versus ten, you play the loser of that seven versus eight game. So in other words, if you're seven and eight, you got two chances to win your way in. If you're nine and 10, you got to win twice to get your way in. So the odds are pretty stacked. So the idea that, you know, would uh, that Calgary Winnipeg game have been as important? Would it have felt as life or death? No, it wouldn't have. But it still would have been crucially important because the difference between finishing eighth and finishing ninth in a play-in system is still very significant. It's, it's you know, the difference between one win and two wins. It is a big deal. Um, and, and by the way, in my play in world, if you lose in the play in, you did not make the playoffs. So when people say, Hey, the playoffs is great with 16 teams. I agree with you. We're going to have 16 teams in the playoffs. This is just a way to figure out who gets in there. Now, when you look at the West, the way it's playing out this year, maybe that's an argument against the play in because you're looking at, um, Seattle and Winnipeg holding down spots, Calgary, and Nashville chasing them. And then there's a pretty big drop off. St. Louis, Vancouver, not very good teams, not not uh, playoff yeah. worthy, not uh, not really in in any kind of race. Haven't been in a long time, so you could argue that if we had a play in Calgary and Nashville, would already be like you know they'd already know that they were going to play past game eighty two. Would some of that urgency go away? Yeah, you know you you could make that case. I think you look at the East. I feel like the East is the opposite case because in the East, yeah, we've got a pretty good race right now with with Pittsburgh, New York, Florida. Three, uh, three teams going for two spots. But again, remember, those two spots would be crucially important in in a play-in world because you'd be trying to get that, I got to win once and I get two tries instead of I got to go two for two. Um, if we had a play-in, suddenly that door swings back open. Buffalo is back in this. Ottawa is back in this. Detroit is back in this. Washington is back in this. And they're all fighting for that last spot to be that that number 10, those four teams that are all either out uh, and have been, you know, let's be honest, those teams have all been out for the most part for a very long time. Um, you know, they've, they've, they're not technically eliminated. Yeah, they could sit there and go, yeah, if we run off eight wins in a row or something, but they've all been out. Um, they would all be still playing for something. 
very meaningful games down the stretch, reasons for those fan bases to stay engaged. And one of them would get to play at least one playoff style, playoff atmosphere game in a play in uh, against Pittsburgh or Florida or New York. Um, and maybe a second one, and maybe have a chance to win their way into the actual real playoffs. So I still think it's a good idea. I think it keeps more fan bases interested. I think if you if you're very clear that the play in is not the playoffs, then you know you you don't get teams saying, "Oh, well, we made the playoffs last year because they lost a play in game." You still keep the sixteen, the sanctity, the sixteen team playoff. I, I'm in favor of it. I, I know some people feel like it cheapens it. I know you sometimes you get. Situations like last year in the East where there were just eight teams that were head and shoulders above all the rest. And you go, oh, you know, should should it really have worked that way? I, I just love the extra pressure it puts on finishing eighth, finishing sixth to avoid that. Uh, you know, you don't want to be a wild card because you don't want to be in that play in. So you really want to finish sixth. There aren't really great races for that this year, but most years there are. You want to finish first or second. You want to get to play against a tired team. I like I like the way all of that works together. I still think it's a good idea. I think the East is great evidence for it this year. The West, if you're somebody who doesn't like the idea, maybe the West is, is your counter-argument that we would have lost the, the do-or-die importance of, of that great game last night. I think I tend to agree with you. And it's interesting when you say, and I think I agree with you too, on the premise that play-in games are not playoff games. They're not. They're not, they're that's not Stanley Cup Because that's games. everyone's argument, right? Even Gary Bettman. They say it's yeah. 16-T. We don't, do not expand the playoffs. I agree with you. We are not expanding the playoffs. The playoffs is 16 teams. What we're doing, if anything, we're expanding the regular season by one or two games for a select number of teams to get them into the playoffs. So let me throw this scenario at you, and I'm wondering where you would think the statistics, what what bucket they would fall in. Okay, so here's the scenario. The Buffalo Sabres end up being the number 10 seed, and they're in a playoff, uh, sorry, in in a play-in. Okay, 7-10, they're playing the Panthers. Tage Thompson has 49 goals. In the play-in game, he mm-hmm. scores. Does Tage Thompson have a 50-goal season? Yes or no? I, you know, I've bounced around on that. I think he does. And I think we can borrow a little bit in, in baseball. They do have the possibility, or, you know, it was more common before, where you could get that game 163 to break a tie, and that counted in the regular season. My argument would be we're talking a maximum of two games, and we have had, we historically, we have had 84-game seasons in the NHL. That used to be how big the season was. So we're not, you know, we're already two games past the 80-game threshold that, that was a big chunk of hockey history. A couple of teams a year get to 84. That's okay. We're not, nobody's playing a longer season than ever played before. We have 50-goal seasons that happened in an 84-game year. They, they count. Uh, I'm okay with counting that as, uh, as an, extra, an extra season of... Uh, uh, or sorry, an extra game of regular season stats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so too, because otherwise then you're going to have like a third bucket of play-in stats right. that really don't carry much weight, you know, in, in they're just kind of floating out there. They don't, yeah. uh, they, they don't really mean much, right? Uh, now, look, uh, that's a great race to me, both those wildcard races. And I'll give the NHL some credit. We have some amazing uh, races this year, right? Whether it's for seeding, wildcard, and uh, that, that central division, Right now, as we as we sit here and have this conversation going into Easter weekend, Colorado 98 points, Dallas 98 points, Minnesota 98 points, and the Avs have a game in hand. So by a points percentage perspective, they are at the leaderboard. But but this is going to be a lot of fun in the final week of the season because I, I think you want nothing to do with that 2-3 matchup in the Central. As much as we talk about 
ooh, Toronto Tampa or ooh, Rangers Islanders or, or, or sorry, Rangers Devils. Uh, that first round 2-3 matchup in the Central is not going to be a walk in the park because one of Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado is going to go home. Yep. And, and that's the key. That is what makes that race so great is that a lot of times this time of year, um, you might be looking at it and you say, wow, the division is still up for grabs or well, we don't know who's going to get this. You know, there's still seeding up for grabs. And it's like, yeah, there is. But really, does it does it matter all that much? Because we know in this in this parody era where there are so many upsets and so much randomness and chaos in the playoffs, um, you know, home ice doesn't really help you all that much. Having the top seed doesn't really help you all that much. It's uh, it, it feels like once the playoffs start. A lot of the matchups just kind of feel the same. Like, all right, so we're going to play this team instead of that team. Does it really matter? You look at this, and it feels like it matters. And I, I don't say this, look, no disrespect to the Seattle Kraken, but if I'm Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, I want to play the Seattle Kraken instead of playing one of those other three teams. I, I mean, that just feels like a night and day matchup. It does feel like, you know, again, I'm setting myself up to have this turn into a clip that gets played back at me in a few weeks. But it feels like, you know, you're playing Seattle. That could be a series that you can get out of in four or five games, rest up, be ready for round two. Whereas, boy, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, pick two of those teams. That feels like a seven-game war. And uh, that's, uh, I, I think, if I'm, if I'm one of those teams, I'm coaching, I'm playing on, I like, it's, it's pedal to the floor to try to get that number one seed and avoid getting stuck in, in that two versus three matchup. And, and same with that Pacific division too. Like if you're Vegas, you want to hang on to that top seed and either get the Kraken or, or in more likelihood, you're going to end up with the, the Winnipeg, Calgary, Nashville because- I sure don't want Edmonton. I don't want Edmonton. I don't, want I don't even think I want LA. Yep. I, I don't think I want LA. I think they're going mean, to be if, a really tough out. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, if you're the Oilers, you're sitting there going, man, we played LA last year. We beat them. It took seven games. They gave us everything we can handle. And LA is, you know, Edmonton, I think, is better than they were last year, but so is LA. So, um, yeah, there is that. And, uh, you know, even, um, you know, we don't have as good a race in the Metro, but uh, again, it's it sort of the drop-off between, if you're the Devils, between playing the Rangers in round one versus catching Carolina, and then you end up getting Florida or the Islanders or somebody. Or, or the uh, stumbling Penguins, yeah. So, you know, we do... It's it's a lot of years the divisions don't really seem to matter. But like I said, you know, I said before that the 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 gap from six to seven in the card, like there isn't really a race this year. It's because both of the conferences feel like they've got six teams that to varying degrees feel like real contenders. And then the wild cards really do feel like they're they're a step down. Um and that's gonna add a, an interesting dynamic to the first round, and it's gonna add an interesting dynamic to the last 10 days or so of the season when we see who who wins those divisions. Okay, and to, just to close the loop on this and, and all the races, I'm going to stick in the Western Conference for a second. Like I said, this is all, it's down to three teams, Winnipeg, Calgary, Nashville. If we can strip aside our, our obvious Canadian bias that we have, should we not all be kind of pulling for the Nashville Predators to make the playoffs? Like if you were just looking at this from a, like a fan's perspective, like, like who's the team we should all kind of be pulling for? Should it not be the team that gave away a bunch of guys at the deadline and kind of rallied together? Or how, how do you feel about should, Nashville? Should it be? Like, I mean, I it's, don't know. It's, it's, it does make them a great underdog and it has that sort of major league vibe of, you know, in this case, the GM didn't think we were good enough, but, uh, you know, we're going to prove everyone wrong. Um, 
But there's also a part of me that goes like, man, doesn't does that make this league feel even more random than it already is that a team can stand up and say, okay, we are waving the white flag. We are done. We are not good enough to make the playoffs and then go ahead and make it anyways. I to me, again, I, you know, here here's the Canadian bias, but I feel like a Calgary Flames team that is a cup contender last year and they go into the offseason and their best player says, I'm leaving as a free agent. Not because I want to go somewhere to win, not because I want to go even, you know, to my hometown. I'm leaving you guys to go to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, <laughs> and then, oh, by the way, the next day, your other best player says, I'm out too. I want to trade. You're being abandoned by everyone. Everyone's saying, that's it. Get, let's, uh, let's hold the funeral for the Calgary Flames. They're done. And yet you go out there. You pull off a big trade. You don't quit. You don't say, hey, guys, this is, sorry, fans. We got to rebuild. You say, we're going. We're doubling down. You pull off the big trade. Some people think you do real well. Some people think you win the trade. You sign another free agent. Um, I like that. There's a part of that that, that, you know, the fact that they sort of said, no, we're not done. We're doing our little Undertaker sit-up in the offseason, and we're going to get back at it. And uh, obviously, the season hasn't worked out that way. But I kind of like the idea of the Flames getting back in. and also. You know, if they get in there, does leave open the possibility of a rematch with the Oilers. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. And the thing I'll throw out before we bring in our pal Granger, uh, can you imagine the hilarity of David Poyle's like, I'm packing it in, I'm retiring, I'm selling off all these players. This is the year they win the cup. Like, yeah. imagine at the end of it, he's been a GM for like 40 years. Yeah, 40 years, and this it turns out this was the strategy he should have been pursuing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was his fault. That was his problem. For the first 39 years, he kept trying to get good players instead of giving them all away. Well, you know, no for next time. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. uh, Let's bring in our pal Jesse Granger for a little Thursday segment we like to call Granger Things. Brought to you by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner. With the athletic and Jesse, uh, we got we do have some some fun things to to, to bat around in terms of odds and even some NHL award stuff. Uh, before we get to that, though, want to allow you the plug because we always talk about this. You're the goalie nerd. Our producer Danielle, a goalie nerd, and you've got an article out uh, that that dropped that hey, this is right down the alley, up the alley for for those uh, types, and it's all about ski boot technology and how it's uh, helping out goalies in the NHL. Yeah, they, uh, this was a fun one to work on. I've gotten to talk to goalies around the league that have tried it a bunch. I think 14 goalies are currently using this new skate by Bauer called the Bauer Connects. And 
they are drastically different than any other skate. Um, I started the story off by kind of painting a picture of Andre Vasilevsky trying on the first pair, and his Tampa Bay teammates were chirping him relentlessly. Um, these things do not have skates. They have buckles like a ski boot. Um, they're designed with ski boots in mind. They're using a lot of technology that's used in premier ski boots. And um, aside from not having laces, the, the big selling point is that they hinge. So most hockey skates, um, anyone who's put on a pair of hockey skates knows they're rigid. They hold your ankle in a fixed angle um, that you really can't move your ankle at all when, it, when you're wearing hockey skates. Whereas with these new Bauer uh, Connects, it's two separate pieces, the ankle piece and the boot. So your ankle can bend forward. And for a goalie, um, you look at a goalie in his goalie stance, you can see how that would be very beneficial. And a lot of the goalies, some of the goalies are hesitant. Uh, you know how hockey players can be with their stuff. They're like, no, 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 no. I had been using this since I was five. I'm not changing. Um, I joked. I asked Linus Olmark at the All-Star Weekend, and he joked. I threw him in the trash. And I was like, what? And he's like, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. I would never throw him in the trash. But they're not for me. I can't do that. But a lot of the goalies have said it is like completely changing the way they can skate. They think it's going. Uh, Vasilevsky was saying he thinks it can lead to him being able to play longer because that hinge, not only does it allow you to get deeper in your stance and maybe the reason they call it the connect is because they tried to get you more connected to the ice. And I think it's easier to get your full skate blade on the ice to push across. But the added benefit is that it, because that ankle is no longer held there, um, Brassois and Vasilevsky and a few other goalies were telling me that it takes pressure off the knee joints and it takes pressure off the hip joints because that tension isn't riding up the leg. It's it's being relieved when your ankle bends there. And um, Vasilevsky said, I think I'll be able to play longer. I think I'll be able to play for better longer. Um, so this is brand new. They just came out last. Uh, they just the prototypes were last year. Charlie Lindgren was wearing it in St. Louis. Um, and Vasilevsky has been wearing it since the beginning in Tampa Bay. But now it's kind of spreading across the NHL. There are a bunch of goalies wearing them. Um, they're really cool. Um, I, all, every goalie I asked about it, they could not wait to like grab their skate off the stall and, and show me it, it comes apart. There's like a removable boot. They, they're all super, uh, into it. They're a pretty cool skate. And I don't know if it's going to make its way. I asked them, like, do you think it'll make its way to the skaters? Like, do you think skaters in the NHL will have no laces on their skates soon? They're not quite sure. Um, the reaction of how they look, see the goalies, it doesn't really matter how they look because obviously you can't see them. The pads are covering them with the skaters. You, you can see the skates. Um, they think that they may be a little more hesitant to go to that, but they do love the time. It saves them in the dressing room. Uh, Vasilevsky's always joking that he's the first one undressed in the room, which is not usual for <laughs> goalies uh, with all their gear. So they're pretty pumped about it. I, I got to say, I don't know anything about the goaltending world, but as a parent, Hearing you say no laces perked me right yep. up. I was like, all right, I'm in on no laces. They get off easy. Perfect. Uh, have you had a chance to try these yet? They hooked you I up have with not. a pair? I have not. Uh, so so the, the bad thing about the Bauer Connects is they're $900. Mm -hmm. um, the, these are a premium NHL ice skate. Um, so they are priced as such. But the good news is, uh, talking to the people at Bauer, um, they are going to release an intermediate price point, which 
as we all know, for hockey equipment, intermediate still means very expensive, but not <laughs> as expensive um, this summer. So I, I may they, they, they may dip into the the Jesse Granger Beer League price range uh, here here this summer when these new ones come out. But no, I haven't tried them. I have seen them. Like I said, every goalie that I talked to, they could not wait to grab it and show like show me how it flexes, show me how the boot comes out, how it molds to your foot, um, all this stuff. Uh, but I have not put them on my feet yet. Power. Hook him up. Hook our boy up. <laughs> I know this is an audio podcast. I just want people to understand how Sean, uh, how Sean's face dropped when Granger said, you know, Andre Vasilevsky yeah. now feels like he could play for years. Yeah, that's all we need. <laughs> Great. The rest of the NHL is like, what have you done? I'm yeah. thrilled. Sean's like seven more first round playoff <laughs> matchups with Tampa. Sounds uh, exactly. Sounds great. Hey, uh, you know, it's interesting. And and look, this is a, a segment that uh, we always talk about, sponsored by BetMGM. And there are a number of sports books now, it looks like, guys, that are taking NHL awards off the uh, off the books right now because they're like, ah, you know, this is, why, why bother putting Connor McDavid for the Hart Trophy? There's, there's not going to be anybody else who wins it. Okay, I understand the Hart Trophy, but I personally kind of felt like maybe there would have been compelling races for certainly I think the Norris I think maybe you can make a couple of arguments on Jack Adams I think there's a couple of uh rookie of the year where I think there's a couple of things that are at least up for grabs you guys surprised that some books are saying you know what NHL awards this year not happening I'm very surprised yeah um I think it's kind of shady's not the right word but it's that doesn't feel right to me I feel like just put the prices at what you think they should be. And if you don't think anyone can beat Connor McDavid for the heart, which I think we all agree, put Panarin or, or sorry, uh, Pasternak or whoever anyone wants to vote for at 100 to 1 or whatever you want. And if people want to bet that, let them bet that. And if they win it, then you got to pay them out. And if not, like I and I agree with you, the Norris, um, I think there are a few arguments to be made that Eric Carlson, despite having the most amazing offensive season ever, that there are some defensemen that have had as good of an overall season. I think taking them off the board is the easy way out for these sports, but I think you should, I think they should be letting people place bets if they want to just make the prices, whatever you want. If you, if like, if, and if, and if you lower them enough to where people don't want to bet them, you're essentially taking them off the board. So I, yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't think I agree with that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird one. The, one of the books, uh, they, they sent an email out and they said that they had Connor McDavid at one to a hundred, uh, for the heart, <laughs> which it means you have to bet $100 for every $1 you're going to win. And that people were still betting them. Um, so <laughs> I could see taking the heart off board, but I'm with you on the Norris. Um, and and the the Calder as well. I mean, there, there is you know, Matty Beneers is is the guy that everyone assumes is going to win. But like, I feel like the Stuart Skinner bandwagon is as yep. we come down the stretch, it's not empty. And uh, you know, if it, it, put it this way, if you wanted to put, let's say, Eric Carlson as your one to a hundred favor and favorite, and put a bunch of long shots on there. I'd throw money on the long shot. So I, I don't right. know. Uh, I, I, it's it's strange to me because, and, and I say this as someone where I don't ever bet individual games. Um, I like the long stuff. I like the prop bets, the, you know, picking awards and that sort of stuff. Uh, so it's it's kind of disappointing to see them going off the board. And I don't feel like it's, there are a few of these are as locked up as uh, as people seem to think they are. 
Yeah. No, no, I, I, I think it's fascinating. Like, uh, rookie of the year, I think there's a compelling argument too. I think Owen Power in Buffalo, Jake Sanderson in Ottawa have had really good seasons for for rookies that that are just maybe under the radar. So I'm with you guys. I, I think it's weird. I, if you want to just take a heart trophy off the board, sure, take it off the board. But even like Jack Adams, like, okay, Jim Montgomery's done a fantastic job. Let's not, let's, there's no two ways about that. But wouldn't there be some love for like a guy like Lindy Ruff like Devils with like a 45-point year-over-year improvement. Um, you know, uh, Dave Haxtell in Seattle. Like, like I'm just you saying, think? I I think there's some compelling cases for Jack Adams. I, th- I think the only two that I would say are done right now is Connor McDavid. And, and for the last, since the midway mark of the season, the only thing that was going to stop Connor McDavid was an injury. And we're at the point now where even if he did get injured, it, it wouldn't matter. Um that one's done. I'm I'm fine with saying that. The other one would be the Selkie. Bergeron's going to win that. That's, right. There's there's no question there. Other than that, you know, again, heavy favorites for sure. But I don't I don't feel like they're done. Put it this way: if I was going to sit down and do an awards ballot right now, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't just uh, you know it wouldn't take me three seconds to to drop in the rest of the uh, the rest of the awards. I agree. I agree, especially the Norris. Um, I, I, I've been making arguments for other goalies for Vesna. Olmark's going to win it in all likelihood, but I think UC Saros has had a ridiculously good season. I think uh, Ilya Sorokin in New York has been awesome. I think there's arguments for, for other guys in that award too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, I know you want to kind of turn the tables on us. Usually we bring in here, we pepper you with questions, and now you say, you know what, enough. I'm going to pepper you. <laughs> enough. I'm going to pepper you guys with some questions. So what, what do you got for us? So at over at BetMGM, they, one of the things I like about the futures is they give you interesting ways to bet on the Stanley Cup. Um, and as the playoffs are getting closer and we pretty much have our playoff fields uh, other than a few teams decided, um, I, I want to ask you guys a few different ways. So this is basically you're buying groups of teams to win the Stanley Cup. Um, so I'll give you the odds. We'll start with the most simplistic one, which is the division. So the Atlantic division is the clear favorite at plus 175. So $100 bet wins you 175 bucks. Uh, the central division is 300 plus 300, three to one. Metropolitan division plus 275. And the Pacific division is last plus 350. If you, uh, which, which of those odds do you guys like and why? See, I look at that and I say, so you're telling me Edmonton would be in that grouping, right? Right with with Edmonton, Vegas. Yep. Ah, man! Like I, the way that they're ro- rolling right now, and the way that everything seems to be clicking for the Oilers, I I really like them in the West. So if you're telling me that odds wise, they're the lo- they're the longest shot in this grouping. Yep. Boy, I might be now. I don't love L.A. and Vegas as much, but. Boy, I don't know. I I might be I might be nudged to to go Pacific Division just based on those odds. Yeah, that's a, first of all. It always I, I always perk up when I get the offer these, and then you look at the actual odds, right? I mean, you you got four divisions, and we're not getting four to one odds on a single one of these, right? Uh, single one of these groups. So you know, it, but um, I agree with what Ian was just saying about the I man, I I've got I've had I've had several smart people kind of whispered to me over the last couple of weeks that like people are sleeping on the Oilers, how dangerous that team is. So I'm definitely looking at them. Um, but the other one is, you know, the Metro. And I get where I get where it's coming from, that if the Atlantic's the strongest and the Metro's got to go through the Atlantic, but you got three 
cup-worthy teams absolutely in there. And, you know, it's it's always that, that thing when you look at the playoffs. We, we tend to say it for the Stanley Cup final very often, right? If one conference is better, you go, ah, the Eastern Conference is better this year. It's going to be an Eastern Conference team that wins the Stanley Cup. And then you go, yeah, but by the time you get to the final, you got to have a Western team. Maybe they're not as good on paper, but look at what that Eastern team is going to have been through right. to get there. I mean, is there going to be anything left of them? I, I I might be tempted if I had to to go go Metro on that, even though, I mean, the I, it's a tough path past the Atlantic, but you only got to get past one of those teams. And that team is going to have been through, you know, at least one tough series, if not two, to get to get there for you. Yeah. To your point, uh, I won't quiz you guys on this one, but uh, Eastern Conference minus 150 to win the cup. Uh, Western Conference plus 120. So Eastern Conference, pretty big favorite. Um, yeah. Which yeah. is what we'd expect. All right. I like this one. Will there be a new champion or a team that's already won the Stanley Cup? So new champion is plus 450. And you're getting, of the teams that are actually in contention, you've got Golden Knights, you've got Winnipeg Jets, Kraken, Florida Panthers, Nashville Predators, and Minnesota Wild. Those are pretty much the the teams. And you can get plus 450, or you can take any other team, basically every team that's won one, at minus 750. I, I wouldn't wow. I, I wouldn't go to the minus 750. Um, you know, those those odds are just, I mean, you're 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 betting 750 bucks to win a hundred there. Right. That's uh that's not worth my time. But I I Man, I, I love that concept when you said it, but then when you read the list of teams that hadn't won, I was kind of like, oof. Uninspiring. I, I, would, I almost wonder if they did one that was like, have they won in the last even 20 years? Right. You know, to, to move Toronto, move the Rangers. Uh, you know, you, you could almost, you could balance it out a little bit better, get the Islanders in there. Right. But uh, right now, I don't, other than Minnesota, I don't, I don't love that group uh, of no. non-cup winners. No, not at all. I, I was with you. I thought, okay, well, th- these are going to be some pretty good teams, and then it's like, man, those are. That's not a. That's not a murderer's row of uh, of a, of, of teams there. Or even imagine if you did one where it was teams that have never won, teams that have won in the last twenty years, and then the teams in between, right? Because that would get you both the New York teams, Toronto yep. and Edmonton. That starts to get a little interesting, doesn't it? It definitely Where does, does New Jersey fit? I guess New, New Jersey, Jersey would have been, yeah, they were 2003 was their last yeah. one. So they would be right. It would exactly. How, 10 years, you, yeah. how you phrased it. Dallas would be in there as well for you in, in that group. So so, hmm. so here's one that's a little closer. Uh, this is plus 200 on one side, minus 275 on the other. Uh, will the cup winner be an original six? So original six, uh, you've got ooh, Bruins, like Maple Leafs, Rangers, and that's plus 200. Or all the other teams for minus two seventy five. Boy, I like all the others there. To be yeah, honest I, with you, I, I, I think I go but, all the others. But at the same time, hmm. Bruins, Leafs, and Rangers. You know, I mean, that's three teams that can absolutely win the Stanley and, and Cup. And the thing is, I'm, I'm sure. wondering, like, you know, part of me is wondering what what are the straight up odds on just the Bruins to win the Cup? Because they're obviously going to go in as the favorite. But we all know that being the favorite in the NHL playoffs, it gives you maybe like 25 percent. They're Shot. plus th- plus three seventy five. The Bruins and the next closest team is the Avs at plus six fifty. If that was who I, if that was my pick to win the Stanley Cup, I'd be really tempted, rather than betting them straight out at three seventy five, to take the lower odds and hedge a little bit with the Leafs and the Rangers in my yeah. back pocket. That that might tempt me a little bit. Does, does it matter to you guys on this one that all three of those teams are in one conference? Like, would it have altered it a little bit if right. like, we'd have to use Chicago, I guess? But 
if if that was does that factor into it at all? It it I mean it helps and it hurts, right? Because you only you're you're yeah. only looking for one of them to win. So you're you're looking at that, for example, and saying, okay, I got Toronto and Boston. The odds of one of them coming out of the Atlantic are pretty good now. You know, Tampa's right. won the conference three years in a row, so we're not writing them off. But I like my odds coming out of there, and then maybe I get the Rangers in the as the other team, and the and then I'm I'm booked. I book my ticket to the final, or or maybe not. I don't uh, I don't know if I'd want them spread out, or if I'd want them all together, and knowing that uh, you know that makes it more likely that one of them's going to get get to a certain at least get to the final. All right, last one I've got for you guys, and this one's the most fun. Uh, the nation of the winning Stanley Cup team. United oh, States minus, alert. minus 600. Okay. Canada plus 400. So you can get four to one odds to get Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and possibly Calgary if they sneak in. Oh, boy. It's Again, been a long man. time. <laughs> it's that been Edmonton. 30 years. That Ed- what's, what's the... like? I, I will tell you now, we haven't done our playoff picks. I'm actually... I'm I'm more I'm more down on the Leafs chances this year than than I was going into last year so I'm not uh, I'm not super big on on betting the Leafs but I, the Oilers are just you know I I I'm getting really close to the Oilers just being my western conference pick what are the odds of the what if I wanted to just bet straight up on the Oilers what am I looking to win the, to win the cup yeah they are 11 to 1 and okay. so Plus eleven hundred. The the Maple Leafs are plus nine hundred, nine to one. So they're both mm-hmm. they're right next to each other. Leafs. So I was thinking, Oilers. you know, again, if this was like Boston, where I, you know, do I if 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 it was close to that four hundred, do I hedge down, you know, have have the Leafs and as a backup plan? But I think on that one, I would just go Oilers. Or, yeah. You know, I would uh, Oilers at eleven to one right now. That might be worth that might be worth looking at if you're the sort of person who who likes this sort of thing. But oh, yeah, I don't, I'm I'm not betting Team USA. I I, I almost I, I'll tell you something right now. I don't know about you guys. I I don't do a ton of betting. I never bet on anything that starts with a minus. I just yeah. I I want especially if it's long term. You got to you got to give me like right. something to to make the payoff worth it. Um, but the uh, Team Canada, it's gonna happen some year. You'd think eventually. <laughs> Probably would have said that. 20 years ago too so. <laughs> right man it's tricky because i think that uh, i think Edmonton. like if you're asking i think to me personally i feel like edmonton has the best chance of a canadian team to win even though like you said toronto's odds are a little Absolutely. bit better but yeah uh, man no i don't think i'd touch that one because i, I just yeah I, or, or i'd probably lean towards the american side just because you know, I, I don't think that Winnipeg or Calgary is legitimate, right? right. I, I just don't think that they're a legitimate cup contender. Whereas I think the entire central division is cup worthy. I think probably Vegas is cup worthy. I think the, the two New York teams are worth. Yeah. You know what? I wouldn't. Yeah. I, now that I talk about it. I don't, and Boston. Yeah, Tampa, I mean, that's like, Boston, yeah, you're getting all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I leave Boston to the end. Yeah. I think that uh, <laughs> that pretty much uh, sums it up. All right. Uh, hey Jesse, man, this was great as always. Thanks for uh, for dropping by, and uh, I guess next week we'll be ready to. We should pretty much know. Well, although it's going in the final weekend, maybe there'll, there'll still be a playoff spot up for grabs. But we'll maybe have a better idea of the playoff picture and you know, maybe who even Vegas is playing. So look forward to that. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you uh, on Thursday. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, always fun uh, chatting with Jesse Granger, and I'm sure once we get into the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, there's going to be uh, those odds are going to move, and you know, picking who's going to lead the uh, the playoffs and scoring and all that fun stuff is going to be uh, fun fodder for discussion. Uh, Want to chat about our, our piece that we did with Sean Gentili this week? It is up; it uh, dropped on Thursday morning, and it's the rules court where the three of us get together and we basically act like. Uh, judges and we decree whether or not a rule idea from uh, readers and hockey fans like it, don't like it. Um, we always have a lot of fun with it. We, we, you know, we try not to take ourselves too seriously, but we also try and you know actually say like, would, would this make the game better? Which I think is uh, everybody's end game. Uh, was there one of the submissions that that now when you look back at the piece, you're like, man, that that one was legitimately my favorite one. I wish the NHL. Would have uh, would adopt it. Um, the the one that jumps out to me as an easy yes, and I say this easy in the sense that I think all three of us uh, agreed on it. But also, it it doesn't take you know it's not a radical change to the uh, uh, to the to the whole game. It was the the overtime power plays. We had somebody write in, and I loved it because it was an old time. He said, "I've been watching hockey since the fifties. And my suggestion for overtime, and I kind of thought when I saw that, like, oh, here we go. It's going to be, you know, go back to the old way, go back to the old days. No, no. Uh, this guy wants to, instead of, as we all know, overtime now, three on three. But if there's a power play, it goes to four on three. No, no. Three on two. He says, we keep the same concept, right? You you taking a guy off the ice? Three on two. I'm assuming if there were two, maybe we go to three on one. I don't know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> let, let's do it. Let's see what a three on two looks like. It's, uh, you know, it's. Is it silly? Yeah, overtime's already ridiculous. Uh, so let's just let's embrace it. That was my my favorite one because it was the easiest one. I didn't even really have to think about it all that long. You know what? And I thought about this too. If you're the defending team on a three on two, are you going like two defensemen is probably going to be your best chance of breaking things up? But then I don't like you're not going to have anybody for the face off. So like what like what do you do? Like, do you go one center and a D, but then just, I don't, I don't, it, anyway, it's really fun. To, and mm -hmm. think about the team. At some point, someone's going to score a two on three shorthanded yeah. goal. And that's just going to be unbelievable. Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, it's, uh, it would be fun to see. And, and, you know, why not? I know people, well, you know, it's not three on two. That's not hockey. Well, three on three for five minutes isn't hockey either, but it is. It's close enough and it's fun. So, yeah. So anyway, and, and look, we love to hear your suggestions for if, if there's anything that was uh, that kind of piqued your interest in that column, uh, by all means, hit us up, uh, theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. 
uh, you know, as we kind of slowly, slowly move towards the spring and the summer, these are these are great topics that we'll handle more in the off season. But look, if you've got rule ideas that you want us to discuss on the pod or in print, let us know. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we will open up uh, the email. I, actually, I'm gonna. I have a one question for you. Okay, mm-hmm. and I don't want to see you googling it. I almost want to ask you to, to to put your hands where I can see them because I don't want you cheating on this. Unless okay. unless you saw this story. All right. Okay. So yesterday, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, on their social media account, was um, asking players, did you see this about the chicken nuggets? You know what? I saw it on TikTok, but I scrolled past it. So I did see them being asked that question. They do this thing where the as the players are coming on the ice for yeah. practice, they... I saw it, but I didn't stick around to see the answer. Okay, so I want you to get, and I want the listeners to guess too. So the question that was posed to Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, et cetera, is how many chicken nuggets would it take to fill up an NHL-sized goal? So think of a net in the NHL, mm-hmm. and you've got you know standard-sized chicken nuggets. Think chicken McNugget, Wendy's nugget, whatever. We all know what a chicken nugget looks like. How many of those would it take to fill up a net? So the answers were obviously all over the map. What's your What's your best guess? How many chicken right. nuggets would it take to fill up an NHL net? Ah, boy, it's 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 going to be a big number. Um, I'm thinking. Okay, so we got uh, we're a little more than six feet across. How many How many nuggets are you going to get for what? Inch and a half per nugget, maybe that. Uh, uh, eight per foot. I get to let's just say, uh, let's say sixty across. Oh boy, now I'm gonna it's a uh, semicircle. So I'm gonna pile them on. I'm gonna say, oof. I think you get to about uh, let's say two thousand. Am I in the ballpark? Two. You, you know what? You kind of are in the ball. Look, it, it's okay. a wild guess. No. Yeah. And I'd love it if, if listeners, if this you is come one close- layer, right? Like we're talking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So according to the experts, it would uh, require 3,105. Okay. So you're not that like far. I was, like, and I, I think feel like, the, okay. And I want to say it might have been Michael Bunting, but there was one Leafs player that, that guessed about 24, 2,500. They were the closest. Okay. So. All right. Anyway, I just thought that was a lot of fun. I figured I'd ask the listener to ask you the question that nobody would know the answer to. But at least, you know what I like? You actually tried to like, to workshop this, you're like, okay. Oh, yeah. It was almost like a beautiful mind. I started like, doing like the math and then uh, yeah, I quick, it's, you know what? You could you could actually hear the moment when I realized, oh, I'm not dealing with a square here. If this was the, the, the old style creases, I would have been in better shape. But as soon as it was a right. semicircle and I realized I had to get pie involved, I was like, I'm out. I'm out. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Okay. You know what? Let's open up that mailbag, though. Like I said, uh, the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. Maybe people have weird questions like that for us, and I'm sure maybe we could uh, get the answer. You could also leave us a voicemail. I want to know who this five. expert was, by the way. It, uh, imagine that's yeah. your. Imagine like <laughs> that's your job. Somebody tells you you just need to. Although these science, these scientists, that they, they'd figure that out in about 45 seconds, right? Yeah. Um, just figures out the surface area. I mean, back in the day, stuff. they probably did have uh, chicken nuggets in the gold crease. I mean, that was. You know, just a little something to keep you, keep you a little something to nosh on during the during right. the game. John Garrett was probably eating chicken nuggets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back, back in the day, uh, you can leave us a voicemail as well at eight four five four four five eighty four fifty nine. Okay, let's open up the email. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. I, I asked you, like, would it kind of get you a little bit if 
Matt Sundin was working kind of in some capacity for the Senators. You know what? I like this. I like this this uh, particular question from Greg in Vancouver. Greg says on last week's episode, Sean joked about uh, being a bidder for the Ottawa Senators himself. So that raises the following question: Would Sean rather win the Stanley Cup as owner of the Ottawa Senators or just as a random fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Hmm. Boy, that's you, dude, that's, that's a, a tough good, one. That's because of good course, you know, as a win the Stanley Cup as a fan, I'm not winning anything. Um, and now, is the implication here? Wait, if I own the Senators, is the implication that I'm a billionaire or like a beloved yeah. movie star or something? Or am I? Just I believe like, I believe that is the implication. Unless you John Spanoed this thing and you're like a. I mean, phony. now you're now you're asking me. I mean, really, now you're. It, it's it's not about the Stanley Cup. It's you know how at what point <laughs> does Sean sell out the Maple Leafs? Um, and 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 I don't know what the number is, but I feel like if it's a billion, uh, we're probably in good shape. But I know you know I I I've I've been doing this fan thing for uh, decades. I got to see it through. Let's uh, uh, let's uh, let's let's stick with the fan uh, perspective. Wow. But if you, you have a chance a- to win a Stanley Cup and you're like Scrooge McDuck, you've got pools of money you could dive into. You're like, no, no, no. Oh, I would tempting. rather just and, and, keep on keeping and on. And just for the record, I would be, I am, I'm always talking about the worst thing in sports as a hands-on owner. I would absolutely be hands-on. So I would actually feel responsible. I mean, I've, uh, you've, you've been on the receiving end of my fantasy football trade proposals. Imagine uh, poor Kyle Dubas getting that uh, text from me in the middle. Hey, man, what are you, what are you thinking? We gotta, we can, we can work something out, right? That would be, uh, uh, it's tempting. I might, I don't know. I, I feel like I gave, I gave the ethically correct answer, but now, um, now I'm sort of doubting myself. Adam in Chicago writes in, was at a game with my friend on the weekend. We had a, uh, conversation going, discussing some strange things with people's stat lines. He was wondering, what do you guys think is the worst plus minus a player ever had in a game that his team won? We all know that Greg Jolly has the record for the worst ever plus minus in single game at minus nine. But since obviously those terrible plus minus numbers are found in losses, we tried doing some research, couldn't find the answer. Perhaps this would be a good one for the Down Goes Brown internship program to take a crack at. So here we go. Uh, and, And they're also wondering, on the flip side, do we know what the best plus minus in a losing game would be? So... I don't even think you needed the interns. You you were able to get no. an answer here yourself. No, this is uh, you don't you, you just need uh, you just need hockey reference because the nice thing is you can search for game stats based on among other things whether a team won or lost. So I can answer this question. The uh, the record for the worst plus minus in a win is minus five, and it was accomplished by two players, Dave Babich and Kent Nielsen, uh, both you know two pretty good players. Um, and, and, and a little bit weirdly, they did it three weeks apart in 1983. Whoa. It was Dave Babbage did it November 29th. Kent Nielsen did it December the 19th, uh, both in 1983. Um, and, and in fact, Kent Nielsen did it against Dave Babbage's Winnipeg Jets. Now, Nielsen was minus five in a game that his team won seven to six. Uh, but I'm going to give the crown here to Dave Babbage because he went minus five in a game that his team won six to five. So his team scored six goals. They gave up five. He was on the ice for all five of those that are all even strength. Um, and he still got the win. I feel like you, you need to get a bonus for 
being it, not just having the minus, but actually being on the ice for all the goals. It's it's the it's the Brett Lebda thing, right? Every Leaf fan when they heard this question was thinking of Brett Lebda famously going minus three in a game that the Leafs won nine to three. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is uh, not quite as extreme, but uh, the minus five for Dave Babbage. Now I'm going to check the loss one. I hadn't uh, I hadn't seen that, but I'm going to call that up. The worst plus minus in a game. Or the sorry, the best plus minus the best plus minus. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Best plus in minus win. in a game that your team is, lost. Sorry. The best plus minus in a loss. Uh it is plus six. And it was done by three defensemen. All right. Okay. Paul Coffey. Yeah. Boris Salming. And you want to take a guess at the third one? Who's sitting oh, there with Coffee and, and Boris Salming? Same era? Same era, uh, a couple years after. Coffee did it in 85. Salming did it in 89. This guy did it in 94. Is it like a leech? Oh, no, a leech wouldn't have done it. Um, 94. No, it's, hmm. it's, I mean, I think all of us, when you hear Coffee, Salming, the next not, name that comes to mind is Kevin Haller of the Montreal. Of Montreal Canadi- or Buffalo? The, of the Montreal Canadiens at the time. Yeah. Um, they lost, uh, it, coffee did coffee and holler both did it in eight to seven losses. Salming did it in a nine to seven loss. So it's, it's never been done, uh, in a game where your, your team only scored six. There's, there's a bunch of guys who have scored five, including, uh, quite a few who did it in a, uh, uh, a six to five win. So that's the case where you're on the ice for everything, including, uh, Rob Blake did it, Gary Galley and Richie Dunn. I don't even know who Richie Dunn is. Um, then they, uh, but he pulled it off. So, uh, yeah, Dylan DeMello actually did it just a month ago. He did it at, on February 28, 2023. Winnipeg lost to the Kings in a shootout. So, you know, 5 5, and then they lose 6 5 in the shootout. And Dylan DeMello was a plus five in that game. I don't even remember hearing about that. Wow. What was Murat doing? There was a huge story brewing, and he just passed it over. Just, just missed uh, it completely. Yeah. Uh, wow. Hey, you know, it's weird. That's the second. For people who listen to the Monday pod, you've probably had enough of Dave Babbage for a week. Because uh, uh, earlier this week, I brought up Dave Babbage with Julian. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. we've certainly reached our Dave Babbage quota. No way. There's not. There's yeah. no such thing as too much, too much <laughs> Dave Babbage. Too much Dave Babbage. All right. I'm, I'm looking uh, at that box score. In that same game that DJ Dave Babbage was a minus five, the leader for the Jets as a plus four, John Gibson. Not that John Gibson. There was a defenseman named John Gibson who kicked around the NHL for a few games back then. So, Okay. You but go. you didn't know about this other John Gibson until just now, right? Till just now. No. Okay. I, I, I knew was about like, the other Taylor Hall and a few John other Gibson. guys like that, but no, not that one. You know what? I'm going to read one more email here from the uh, the inbox. And I, I thought you did a really nice job uh, earlier this week with the uh, column on fighting and, you know, what have we lost and, you know, kind of try to reconcile a little bit of, you know, our childhood and how much we enjoyed that aspect of the game to, to what we know and all that. Uh, Grant writes in via email. I've really enjoyed the athletic series on fighting recently. I think it's an important uh, thing to have these sorts of thoughtful conversations about the less savory parts of the game. So much of the conversation around fighting and whether it's necessary seems to assume that hockey is special and unique and needs to have a pressure valve as a means to police the rats. But no other sport allows fighting. Football is full contact. uh, Basketball gets rough. What is it, do you guys think, that makes hockey so special that we quote-unquote need fighting 
while the other sports get along just fine without it. That's from Grant. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's a tough question because I don't, I don't buy the idea that hockey needs fighting. I, I've I did at a time maybe, but I, I've rejected that. I, I my my argument in the piece that I wrote this week was you know more from from just as an entertainment value and and all of that stuff. And have we lost something? And is the game as fun as it used to be? As a fan, not advocating for fighting to come back. Not saying we go back to how it was, but as far as it needing it, I don't buy it. Now I I know from the piece that I worked with with Robin Joe on. Last week, the uh, a bunch of the players do think that. They absolutely do believe this. A lot of executives do. A lot of people in the game believe that the game is safer with fighting. I don't buy it. So I'm the wrong person to ask this question to. I, I, I think, as, as you say, every other sport seems to demonstrate that, um, you know, you, you, can, you can have big hits and aggression and physicality without needing uh needing this sort of policing now i guess the if i put myself in their shoes they would say hey hockey is a different it's it's faster the hits can be harder the danger can be can be different there's no out of bounds there's no you know you're you're out there there's nowhere to go um you we don't stop the play after every hit like we do in football we don't stop every few seconds like we do in basketball it's continuous out there and, and, you know, the emotions can build up and the, the possibility if somebody wants to do something dirty, they're moving at high speed, they're holding a stick in their hand, they got blades on their feet, there's all sorts of dirty things and, and awful things that could happen on a hockey rink that, that can't happen in any other sport and that's what makes us special and distinct. That would probably be the argument, but I'm telling you, I, I don't buy it anymore. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's well said. Like I said, I, I hope people had a chance to read your column earlier this week and, and, and listen to the podcast you guys did and uh, last weekend because it, it's it's th- these are good conversations to have, thoughtful conversations to have. And there's a reconciliation that has to go on, right? For for people like us that grew up watching the game. Like and, and I know you've talked about this too with just the idea that your uh your kind of Twitter handle and everything, right? Is down goes brown. Mm-hmm. You're like, ah, that's you know, it's how how do you reconcile the fact that you know, look, I like I say, I don't want to go back. I've seen we know too much about concussions, injuries, the psychological impact. We, you know, the 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 names that we've lost, the impact that it's had. You, you'd have to be a monster to say, I, I wish fighting was back in the NHL the way the way it used to be. So, given that, can you say, but it was more fun to be a fan back then. The game was more entertaining. The Rock'em Sock'em era was was more interesting, had, a, had an element to it that we don't have today. Yep. Um, I don't know. There, there's an argument to be made that says, no, you shouldn't say that. You're being an idiot. You're, you're being nostalgic for something we know was terrible. Um, and yeah, maybe, maybe that's the right answer. We're going to wrap up with a little This Week in Hockey History. We want to take our listeners back to one of the wildest final days in the history of the NHL in, in terms of the regular season. Okay. Take our listeners back to the final day of the regular season in 1970. This week in 1970, here's the scenario. The New York Rangers and the Montreal Canadiens are battling for the final playoff spot in the East Division. The scenario is a little bit convoluted because not only do the Rangers need to win their game, but they also have to score five more goals than Montreal, who's playing later that day. Okay, So they have to win, and because the tiebreaker rules are Goal scored. The Rangers are like, damn, we got to score five more goals than Montreal as well. So the Rangers empty the chambers against the, the, the 
Red Wings, and they scored nine goals. So they're like, hey, we took care of business. We we scored nine goals. Boy, now the Habs are like, not only do we have to win, but we got to score five goals against Chicago that night. So the game, the game starts, and it's a close game until the third period. Chicago actually goes up 5-2, and the Habs are like, oh, no. This season's slipping away. We got to pull the goalie. So, Sean, they pull Rogi Vashon, a young Rogi Vashon, and instead of scoring a bunch of goals, they end up giving up five empty netters and lose 10-2 to two and miss the playoffs for the only time in about a 50-year span. That To me, it's one of the wildest final days of the regular season we've ever seen. Yep, absolutely wild. And it all comes down to that distinction where you said the tiebreaker was goals scored. Not goal differential. Goals, just how many goals he got in the goals four column. And that, uh, if you're wondering like, hey, how come we don't have that anymore? This is why. Because it leads to the situation where uh, you can be in a, a where, where it doesn't matter how many you give up. It's just how many you get. And if, if people, uh, a year or two ago, I wrote a piece about like some of the weird trivia around empty net goals. And a lot of it goes to this game. The record for most empty net goals in a game, five by one team. You're never going to see that. Um, the most empty net goals scored by a team in a game they lost, uh, two by the Detroit. Never going to see that again, unlikely. Um, just a, a, a lot of serious weirdness. And the only time I I mean, you, you're a Montreal fan. That was the only time Montreal missed the playoffs in what? Like a 50? Yeah, about a 50-year span. Plus year span. Yeah. Yeah, because they had had a like, 20 or 30 year streak before and then they didn't miss again until the mid-90s. Pretty, a very, very wild day that we will uh, not see the likes of again because we learned our lesson that day. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it there. I want to wish all the listeners, hope you have a great uh, holiday weekend. Uh, I know for a lot of people, they get to, hopefully they get the Friday off work at the very least. So uh, thanks everybody for tuning in to this Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Again, we love hearing your comments. So email us. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. The voicemail is 845-445-8459. And right now, you get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month for 12 months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.